Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Can the Vikings make it four in a row? We will talk about it and we'll flesh out any of our anxieties and fears. Uh, I know Declan sometimes... Uses Corona Hard Seltzer when he has anxiety about the Vikings. Anxiety, fear, celebration. It it's it literally is the the seltzer of of all that. It, it's it, it's great. It's a Corona Hard Seltzer. It's the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes. And sometimes I have to uh, get a couple twelve packs, which is what I'll be doing after the show here on Friday, which is what I do every day at three o'clock. I go pick up a twelver of Corona Hard Seltzer because Corona Hard Seltzer is the only seltzer made with pure beach vibes with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. He's getting more and more comfortable, I think, uh, with what we're doing. Uh, you know, how we go about game planning, the expectations of him week in and week out. Uh you know, this team loves him. He works hard. He practices hard. He's gaining the respect of players by how he goes about doing his job, you know, and that's what this league is about. So just really having fun with Justin and really excited about his uh, future. So uh, try to keep him going here. Hopefully there's some more to come. Football. Soundbite off the top. Gary Kubiak raving about one of the best young wide receivers in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. This is Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing, and our friend from ESPN.com, Vikings reporter, Courtney Cronin. Um, it's amazing the difference that one month makes in terms of how we talk about this team, Courtney. Uh, we were literally sitting here just like putting Declan on quarterback scouting reports and stuff. And now it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, about now a month ago. they're staring three wins in the face here at home if they want them. I have a theory I want to run by you guys because we spent Wednesday in our State of Kirk Cousins episode praising Kirk and the way that Kubiak has been using him. But I want you guys to tell me if I'm if I'm being too hard on Kirk when I say that I have this feeling when he, when things are – when he, when he's one and five and the pressure's off and and you can sort of come in and hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook for a couple of weeks, easy peasy for Kirk. He did take a step forward in a Monday night game. He did what he was asked to do. He got off the schneid, and so that is a step forward in his career to finally win a Monday night game. But it kind of feels like every time the pressure ratchets up outside of that Saints playoff game, 
when the spotlight turns back to you and says, all right, now playoffs are sort of the expectation and and you're going to have to do more than just hand the ball off all season. I just kind of feel like a Kirk torpedo performance is laying in the weeds at some point here. And I'm wondering when that if is there going to be a Kirk torpedo performance like we saw against Atlanta and some of these other teams um, or have the Vikings sort of gotten past that with the way that they're scheming this offense? You'd like to think so, right? Like that Gary figured it out because these last few weeks, they look really good and they look like they can perform within this. Kurt can perform within the confines of what he's being asked to do. But I think you're right. And I think a lot of people have that expectation of him. And is it fair? Because the guy did get them to a playoff win, won that drive, you know, in overtime. He did win a big game on Monday Night Football. He's been incredibly accurate. He's done all these things but it's never like super consistent. I don't think that like the reliability factor, I think is why a lot of people have that same belief that it's always around the corner. It's looming somewhere. Um, I understand it because we've, you know, there've been moments before where the pressure's on Kirk 2018, go win that game against the Chicago bears at home when they're not even playing their starters uh, in the second half, like because they had already locked up their playoff bid go win that game, and then you can back your way into the playoffs. Well, they didn't do that. So, I mean, they've, I think it's just people want to see more of a consistent body of work before they're ready to give all the faith to Kirk Cousins to know that he can come through for you in big games because there's always going to be a caveat. The caveat in New Orleans, they won a coin toss. The caveat against Chicago, well, the Bears didn't have Akeem Hicks there in the second half, and their offense was so atrocious that the Vikings should never have even been keeping that 1913 game as close as they did, like those types of things. So I understand like the anxiety, or especially with Vikings fans thinking that like the, the bad Kirk's going to show up at some point because historically it's kind of been like, he's had some good moments and then it'll kind of take a step back. So you've got, um, in my opinion, potentially two good teams left. You got the bucks and the saints, right? Um, besides that, I have no fear on Kirk now, unless Dalvin gets hurt because mm-hmm. I think as as long as Dalvin is, is there and we saw this against the Bears and it was very important Kubiak and he's right is going to continue to give him the, the ball good or bad that is going to lighten the pressure on Kirk because every defense that the Vikings play is going to say we are not going to let Cook beat us so mm-hmm. I think unless Cook gets hurt I think Kirk is going to be fine I am curious though when you get to the Bucks or the Saints how those games go because they might take Kirk out, out of this comfort zone that he's found a little bit. But the reality is, Courtney, that there are so many bad teams left that I don't fear a Kirk meltdown because I think, worst case, if he starts to melt down, they can turn to Cook and say, Dalvin, you can save the day. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're right. Like, I, I definitely think they're going to lean heavy on Cook, but I think about it. This week's a prime example of when we talked about workload, right? Like Judd, Judd and I were all on the, you know, save Dalvin Cook. Don't put 300-plus touches on him this year. If you're really going to be competitive next year, try to figure it out that yeah, way. You, but, you, guys, you guys did a 180 on that. Now it's like 50 touches a game. Just screw it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I, um like, the way that I think of that is da- Dallas has, like, a really bad run defense, right? Like, they give up the second most yards per game in the NFL, so you know you can run the ball on them and you can run them effectively but like can it can they do something where like they 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 build up a big lead 
And then they would allow Kirk to maintain that essentially Kirk, Justin Jefferson, the tight ends, Adam Thielen, the whole thing, because this is one of those games that I think that they should be able to come out to a very big lead at home. They're putting up 470 plus yards per, per game at home on offense. Um, don't ride cook the whole game because like Judd said, you're going to need him in the games that are going to be harder to win. Like the saints, like the Bucks. Yeah. Hey, on Justin Jefferson. So he right now, I think he's seventh in the NFL mm-hmm. in receiving yards. Yeah. He's, yep. he's ahead of Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett. He's ahead of Devonte Adams. Who's, Devontae's missed a couple games. Um, he, so he's seventh in receiving yards with 762 He's tied for second in yards per reception, just over 18 yards per reception. Is there any question? I, he has become the Vikings' number one receiver. To me, I get Thielen's the number one receiver in the red zone, has more touchdowns, and I think has a couple more catches. But um, I think Justin Jefferson is their best wide receiver, and I think he's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Are those hot takes? No. I wrote something today just about his offensive rookie of the year campaign, and I think that he's in a prime spot right now to – a, earn that award, B, earn a Pro Bowl nomination, and C, become the number one receiver in this offense if he isn't already. I mean, obviously Adam Thielen is a really good receiver and has always been better as a, in a duo, and he's got somebody who allows him to do all of the things that he does well, like you mentioned with the red zone. I mean, he's got six targets, I think six inside the 10, and he's, he's a great goal line receiver for, for Kirk Cousins. He's obviously so much more than that, but – like I say all that to say Jefferson's allowed Adam to be as good as he is instead of having like, you know, imagine if they had somebody on the other side who wasn't getting the other team's number one cornerback who really had training wheels on for, for most of his rookie season. That wouldn't allow Adam to flow so freely through the Vikings offense. So I think it's a big deal where Jefferson is now. And, you know, it didn't take anybody very long like to realize like, okay, this guy is capable of that. Like this is honestly probably the most seamless transition they've had for a rookie stepping in and playing right away and doing everything right, right away. I can't think of a single thing he's done wrong. Like seriously, I have a hard time thinking about it. I can't, I can't name one thing he did wrong. I mean, his what four catches, 26, 36 yards, whatever it was against green Bay. Well, he had Jair Alexander shadowing him the whole day. Like that's tough. And I mean, that's a damn sign of respect though. You have a number one corner shadowing you eight games into your or seven games at that point in your rookie season. That's impressive. So what, what do you think is the key here then um, to his next step as far as, and I get that this is the cook plan and Kirk fits in, to it, Courtney. But what's the next step to getting him, I don't know, let's say three deep shots per game, where I, I think they took the one against the Bears, but that was it, and then the rest was not really deep stuff. Because that, to me, would be the next place, and especially with Cook, where Jefferson could play an absolutely instrumental mm-hmm. role, where you go in to each game with a goal of, let's say, three deep shots, because if one hits, you know... That's huge potential. Yep. Sure. Um, well, he's averaging 18.1 yards per catch. I think that's a big deal. When you look at where kind of that stacks up, like I think it's fourth in the NFL right now, fourth best. And he's, you know, he is that deep threat. He's got great straight line speed. He ran a really fast 40 at the combine. All those things add up to show you, okay, this, this, what, that's the element, those deep overs, deep crossing routes that they had with like Stefan Diggs that they can replace those now with Justin Jefferson. So I I think 
what that will take, it's probably an evolution like that we're seeing right now, like with the play action, getting more of it in there. I mean, they're relying so heavily on Dalvin Cook. That's great, but that also does open up some opportunities for play action shots, some deeper ones. The Bears took that stuff away because they played so much zone the, like on Monday night. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Dallas, considering their secondary is really bad and they're they're just like not good like on defense in Dallas. I don't know what Mike Nolan's doing. They're just not very good. So I would assume that this is probably the prime weekend to do that for for Justin Jefferson and for Kirk Cousins because they're allowing like a hundred point a hundred point three hundred three point one quarterback uh, passer rating to opposing quarterbacks. It's not very good. And like Jefferson is given Kirk his highest passer rating of anybody on the Vikings right now. So it's it's seems like all those things will align Judd to where they can get him in the deep passing game going. Courtney, on on defense, what do the Vikings have now in some of these younger guys? I mean, DJ Wanham uh, has racked up a small handful of sacks and has played really well. He had like Mm -hmm. five pressures last week against the Bears. Uh, Hercules Mata'afa is only 25 years old, and you saw him flash Mm -hmm. a couple times. I feel like like Mike Zimmer has done such a great job coaching up and scheming here. Um, who has stood out the most to you in terms of guys that might actually play a key role as starters or even just like situational guys over the next two or three years? Well, I think Gladney throw him in there too. He had a really good game and he had that stop on third down in Chicago. That was really impressive. A lot has been thrown at him this year, like a ton of just like, information flying at him 24 seven and he's just trying to you know stay afloat so I know that it hasn't always looked great but there have been some good moments from him um in a Detroit game in the Chicago game that I think you can really take over to the next you know this year excuse me next year um Wanham's a good one I think that we all kind of thought it'd be Daniil Hunter light when they drafted him not just because an SEC guy um, but that's because that's kind of what we were sold on, like similar build, similar athleticism, um, a lot of the same raw qualities that you saw in Daniel Hunter. Apparently, didn't DJ Wanham had him as well. So I don't, I'm not saying he's going to become Daniel Hunter, but I do think he's going to play a very big role as the years come on. Because think about it, like you know they've got to figure out what they want to do with. Daniel Hunter next year. Can they afford to pay him? Can they afford to make him, you know, he allegedly wants to be the highest paid pass rusher. Can they do that? Is that even going to be on the table? Who are they going to put the other defensive end spot? Like that, those are all those questions I think that you got to answer. And um, he's, I, you know, he's part of the mix here. I mean, for, for, for where he was drafted and they've kept him on the roster, uh, they've brought him along slowly. Like he's, he's played a significant role these last few weeks in, in situational like moments, not like he's playing the whole game, but no, I think he's looked really good. Um, I'm curious to see like what James Lynch becomes. I really am because Hercules did play well. It, this was sorry to be like sarcastic, but this is finally the Hercules that they've been touting. Like what we saw on Monday night was like what we've been like sold on for years and years. Like oh, Hercules mod off of this great three technique. Like we finally saw it. Like he flashed. And I mean, on that sack, I think Eric Wilson was in there too. Um, like that's what I thought that they were trying that they saw that they were selling us on for so long. And, and that's, that's important because you need those types of players. But I am curious when I say that, like with James Lynch as well, um, what does he become in the next few years? Cause they've kept him around. They haven't put him on practice squad because they're terrified that he won't get through waivers, the whole thing. Um, and, and, you know, those are two fourth round picks that, you know, look at least at this point, like they might pan out in the future. Mm-hmm. 
Back to Purple Daily in just a moment. Quick shout out to Federated Insurance. Federated's been helping uh, keep the lights on here at Score North and Purple Daily throughout a tough year. And they've been helping business owners for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota, and now on Twitter, at Federated INS, with fresh, relevant risk management content on a variety of topics. If you feel like you need more from your insurance company, if you feel like you need a vested partner, that is what Federated helps provide, peace of mind. Federated Insurance, where it's always our business to protect yours. A month plus out now, what is your um, theory or what have you heard uh, because I'm, I'm now more curious about this than I was at the time on Ngakwe because mm-hmm. that trade was such a big deal. And, you know, that day we, we, we thought, okay, if Daniel comes back and plays at the left end and you got Ngakwe, who is a potential Pro Bowl player at the right end, um, and the Vikings traded him to the Ravens and it seemed like, okay, they're just not that good and they're starting to dump players. Um, they played so well since he left, though. Do you think that there was more to it behind the scenes of him not being a fit? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that's always kind of the case, right? Like, why trade away a good player if you think he could be part of your plans long term? Um, I also think they probably looked at their cap situation a little more closely and realized, like, this is not going to work next year because um, they didn't bring him here to – have him be here for one year and then let him walk. They brought him here to franchise him next year, potentially, or give him a long-term deal. Um, when that, when the whole plan fell through, I kind of felt like they felt we can't keep holding out hope about Daniil and wondering well, what all the what-ifs of the future will handle that when we need to handle that. But for right now, it's not a fit. And I, you know, they got, he, he's not played well. Um, since he got to Baltimore, like he's, I mean, he's really has not played that great at all. I mean, he's at the bottom half of, of edge rushers, according to pro football focus, he's not good against the run as we know and saw up here. So I don't know if there was any sort of like issue inside the building or all that. I think that it just was not a good fit. They thought it might've been, but it just did not pan out the way that they thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and now that you've sort of, proven to yourself as a franchise, oh, like we can sort of plug random guys in and still get some productivity. I was on board with, listen, if you need to pay two defensive ends, that's one of the three positions I would just pay for. I would pay for a pass rush. I would pay for cornerbacks. I would pay Mm -hmm. for certain offensive line positions and obviously quarterback, but maybe they dodged a bullet. Maybe they never intended to pay him 18 or $20 million a year. Uh, But now, now that we've sort of seen it play out, it's probably the best thing to happen for, for the Vikings that they were they were bad to start, and they traded him and got almost all their picks back. Mm-hmm. No, I mean they they pay they have like six point eight million in dead cap that they have to take on for him, and you basically paid him for you paid him for six games and two ish months of work. You're going to look back at this. This is going to be one of those trades that we think of when we think of worst Vikings moves, you know, ranked like you see it like on a fan cited article or whatever. Uh, and this will be one that's definitely in there being like, remember when that happened? Because that was like a significant price that they paid. I mean, hell, they got the guy to negotiate his franchise tag down to 12 million. He was wanting to get out of Jacksonville that badly and all these weird incentive laden things in the contract and the language. And then they cut him. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's anything more to it other than they realized, Hey, we, this is not like, we we thought we were doing the right thing and it didn't pan out. Yeah. It was not a good move in the end. Like nobody could argue that. So uh, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Also, be sure to check out later on uh, this weekend on both YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast and Apple Spotify Scornorth.com. 
Vikings vent line right after the Vikings Cowboys are done. And also uh, our confidence, curiosity, concern episode leading into that game. But if you haven't checked out Ventline yet, we're welcoming fans into the video with us to break down the game and uh, and to offer their thoughts. So you can email Declan or all of us, but Declan's the one that, uh, that you have to get through if you want to be on the show. VikingsVentline at gmail.com. That's a wrap. We'll see you guys tomorrow.